The demand for racism continues to outstrip supply as the world explodes over two non-racist stories. The White House hires bizarre internet influencers to convince people to take the COVID vaccine, and the Democrats are preparing to use climate emergency to centralize more control. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. For peace of mind, whenever you go online, visit expressvpn.com. Slash Ben, we'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, here is your quick reminder, you're paying too much for your cell phone bill. How do I know? Because if you're not with Pure Talk USA, it is undoubtedly true that you're spending way too much money. I want you to switch to Pure Talk because Pure Talk could be saving your family over $800 a year rather than spending your money with Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile. And here's the thing, you have the same great coverage because Pure Talk is on the exact same network as one of the big three, but at a fraction of the price. And switching is as easy as switching out your SIM card. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Plus, right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And if you go over on the data, they're not going to charge you for it. There's a reason PureTalk is the highest-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs and why they are the preferred wireless partner of AMAC. From your cell phone, dial pound 250. Say Ben Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your very first month. That is pound 250. Say keyword Ben Shapiro to get started. There's no reason for you to be spending all this money with one of the big cell phone coverage providers when you could be spending a fraction of that amount and getting the same coverage with Pure Talk USA. Dial pound 250. Say Ben Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your very first month and hundreds of bucks down the road. Again, That's Pure Talk USA. All righty. So one of the things that has happened in modern American culture that is so weird is that racism has been largely alleviated on an interpersonal level. If you look at the polls throughout the civilized world of countries where people say they are comfortable living next to somebody of a different race, the United States comes in at the top of the polls in terms of people who feel comfortable living with somebody who is not of the same race. In terms of tolerance, for example, for racial intermarriage, That sort of tolerance in the United States is extremely widespread. And of course, the United States has black Americans in positions of power in virtually every major industry, up to and including all of the institutions of political power. And yet, and yet, this is the moment of racial reckoning. In fact, as race relations got better, it seems that the push for Americans to recognize that race relations lie at the root of all of America's evils, that push got harder. In order to sustain that push, in order for Americans to think about race, A lot of the time when it is very, very clear that race relations in America ought to be seen at like a world historical high in the United States right now. Instead of looking at the reality, you have to generate more stories of how racism has deep and abiding roots in American life. And so the demand for racism, right, a demand that is necessary in order to push the sort of quote unquote equity politics the Democrats push. So much of democratic politics these days is rooted in the notion that all inequities must be fixed by the federal government. And this is particularly true of racial inequities. And racial inequities can be found wherever there is racial inequality. So if a black person underperforms a white person at anything, that is a result of the evil American systems. This is what all of the critical racial theory stuff is about. This is what all of white privilege is about. The left pushes very hard here. But to sustain that is very difficult because most Americans, when they look around at their lives, they think, I'm not a racist. Nobody I know is a racist. I wouldn't hang out with a racist. I don't like doing business with racists. So where is all of the racism in American society? And so what the left has to do is they make two separate arguments. One is the systems and institutions themselves are racist, which is extremely difficult. That's a difficult argument to make when, again, racism in practice has been federally illegal since 1965. Okay, so 
that makes it a very difficult argument. And the other thing that they do is they find these sort of outlying stories, and then they try to turn them into examples of deep and abiding American racism. And very often, these stories just do not wash. So, for example, the, there, was a, there was a case that happened not all that long ago, you'll remember it, in which a white woman was walking her dog in Central Park, and she was confronted by a black man who apparently wanted her to leash her dog. She had not leashed her dog, and he got kind of aggressive with her, and she called the cops, and she said, there's an African-American man who is being aggressive with me, and he filmed her doing this, and she became the face of white American racism, right? She was a Karen. Well, as it turns out, according to National Review, this was not the entire story. You know, Barry Weiss reported this over at her substack. Kamele Foster also has reported on this. Okay, as Kyle Smith sums up, New Yorker Amy Cooper was walking her dog in Central Park's Ramble area, a little patch of semi-wilderness in an otherwise manicured park. She allowed her dog off, her, off the leash, which is against the rules. On the other hand, the Ramble is the one little frequented spot in the entire vast park where it kind of sort of seems like the rules don't apply. For decades, the rules definitely didn't apply. It was a popular gay pickup location for connoisseurs of anonymous alfresco sex. On Memorial Day, Cooper, a middle-aged white woman, was allowing her dog to run off-leash, breaking a rule that is widely ignored, albeit crucial for bird watchers. Nearby was Christian Cooper, a middle-aged black man of no relation to her. Mr. Cooper is an avid birder and doesn't much like dogs interfering with his avian observations. So he issued what to her sounded like a threat to poison her dog. Miss Cooper freaked out. Who wouldn't? As her freakout was underway, Mr. Cooper filmed her on his phone. And Covington 2.0, as Kyle Smith puts it, like Covington Catholic, as in the fake news story, suggesting that a bunch of high school kids were racist when they weren't, Covington 2 was off and running. The public viewed the conveniently edited video more than 30 million times. Miss Cooper was denounced as a Karen, or self-appointing whistleblower, for her understandable reaction. And few noticed that the inciting Karen of the affair was not the middle-aged white lady, but Mr. Cooper himself, for busting her over allowing her dog off-leash. Her employer not only fired her, but, far worse, publicly branded her a racist. News accounts have repeatedly characterized Cooper as having threatened Mr. Cooper. That is the opposite of what happened. We know this because of Mr. Cooper's helpful Facebook post on the matter, from which I quote, Me, quote, look, if you're going to do what you want, I'm going to do what I want, but you're not going to like that. Her, what's that? Me to the dog. Come here, puppy. Her, he won't come to you. Me, we'll see about that. I pull out the dog treats I carry for just such intransigence. Possibly it was an overreaction for Cooper to call the police. Then again, when citizens feel threatened, calling the cops and letting them sort it out is what is supposed to happen. What Cooper said to her was unmistakably a threat. It was reasonable for her to be scared. It was a menacing thing to say. He then called the dog over while offering it a treat. He meant her to think he was going to poison her dog to motivate her to leash the animal. By his own admission, he said something calculated to frighten her. Apparently, he does this all the time. He carries dog treats while birding for, quote, just such intransigence. If there were no threat linked to his offering the dog a snack, he would not have prefaced this action by saying, you're not going to like it. Miss Cooper probably would have been wise to leash her pet and walk briskly away, but when a stranger threatens to poison your dog in Central Park that's bound to cause consternation, it's not unreasonable for her to have felt herself personally threatened by Cooper's saying, I'm going to do what I want and you're not going to like it. She later told CNN, I didn't know what that meant. When you're alone in a wooded area, that's absolutely terrifying, right? Okay, the fact is that what Cooper said to the police was accurate, and people started calling her a racist pretty much right afterward, and then her financial firm tweeted out that she was a racist, Okay, but this sort of incident, you, you remember this. This was like a big national story that a woman called the cops on a black man and said that he was black to the cops. You remember this. Okay, well, those kinds of stories have become increasingly common in American life. It is why the press feel the need to jump on obviously suspicious story like the Jesse Smollett story. Right? When Jesse Smollett announced that he was attacked by two vicious red-hatted white men who tried to string him up in the middle of Chicago's downtown at 4 a.m. in a windstorm. 
and the entire media decided, and by the way, Kamala Harris and the rest of the Democratic Party decided this was a major national story. The reason for that is because demand for racism outstrips supply at this point. Okay, we now have a couple more stories along these lines. So over the last 24 hours, the Colorado Rockies decided that it was necessary to investigate a man who supposedly was shouting the N-word at Miami Marlins outfielder Louis Brinson during his at-bat. According to the New York Post, quote, this is the original story, Rocky's investigating after fan hurls racial slur at Marlins player. Okay, from that headline, you would determine that the fan was hurling a racial slur at the Marlins player. After all, that is the entire headline. And in fact, people were tweeting this thing out, including blue check marks. The Colorado Rockies put out a statement saying, the Colorado Rockies are disgusted at the racial slur by a fan directed at the Marlins' Lewis Brinson during the ninth inning of today's game. Although the subject was not identified prior to the end of the game, the, pro- the Rockies are still investigating this incident. The Rockies have zero tolerance for any form of racism or discrimination, and any fan using derogatory language of any kind will be ejected and barred from Coors Field. Okay, and, uh, and then a statement was put out by the Major League Baseball Players Association Executive Director and former Yankee Tony Clark, he said, it is a painful reality that progress continues to be elusive in a world where ignorance and bigotry remain all too commonplace. Okay, so again, this is always the idea, is that one instance of racism means that everybody is racist and racism still runs rife throughout American life. That in and of itself is really stupid. An isolated incident is isolated and noteworthy because it is isolated and also noteworthy. Okay, an isolated incident, if it is indicative of broad national trends, generally is not isolated. And you can name many instances of this sort of stuff happening. But this was a national story. Literally one person supposedly shouting the N-word at a baseball player. You had the Major League Baseball Players Association commenting on this. You had Major League Baseball itself commenting on this. You had the Colorado Rockies commenting on all this. Okay, then the Rockies started to do an investigation. And what they found is that the man was not, in fact, shouting the N-word. In fact, here is the video of the man not shouting the N-word. He is not shouting the N-word here. He is shouting at the Colorado Rockies, the Colorado Rockies mascot, whose name is Dinger. Okay, he's shouting at the mascot. Here's what the tape sounded like. Three yesterday. Here's the 1-0. And again, it's 2-0. And this is not to pick on. Okay, he's not shouting the N-word. He's shouting Dinger. Dinger, that's the name of the team's mascot. A Denver news reporter. This is the, this is the New York Post the next day, right? Walking it back. A Denver news reporter who spoke to the Rockies organization said the team interviewed the fan about the incident. The Rockies tell me last night's incident was a fan shouting to get the attention of the Rockies mascot Dinger, not a racial slur. The Rockies have spoken to the fan who confirms this is the case. They've also reviewed the video from the local broadcast. So a lot of people, again, in the blue checkmark world had decided this was indicative of Major League Baseball fans more generally or America more generally. But as it turns out, that wasn't the story at all. And now the Colorado Rockies had to put out an update on this, in which they admitted that the fan was indeed yelling for Rocky's mascot Dinger in hopes of getting his attention for a photo, and there was never any racial slur that occurred. The Rockies remain dedicated to providing an inclusive environment for all fans, players, and guests at Coors Field, and any fan using derogatory language of any kind will be ejected from Coors Field. Okay, well, thank you for that meaningless notification, considering that nobody said anything racist. Okay, this was a massive national story. It was a major national story. That people were that a guy was supposedly yelling the N-word at a black baseball player when he was, in fact, not. And that was not the only story that is like this. CNN reports today, quote, a rock that students call a symbol of racism has been removed from University of Wisconsin. Okay, now you may notice that there's a little bit of hedging in that particular title, right? A rock that students call a symbol of racism. So is the rock a symbol of racism or is the rock not a symbol of racism? Well, as it turns out, the rock is absolutely not a symbol of racism. 
In fact, there's pretty much no evidence that the rock was ever a symbol of racism. According to CNN itself, the University of Wisconsin removed a 42-ton boulder from its Madison campus on Friday after complaints from students of color who called the rock a symbol of racism. Chamberlain Rock, which had sat on observatory points since 1925, was named after Thomas Chamberlain, a geologist and former university president who served from 1887 to 1892. So um, what's racist about that? Was Thomas Chamberlain a vicious slave-holding racist or something? Nope. There was one article from the Wisconsin State Journal in 1925 that used the N-word as part of a nickname for the giant boulder. That's the whole thing. An article that used the N-word in a nickname for the rock. And now they spent, I kid you not, $50,000 to remove a 42-ton boulder for no reason other than apparently students of color at the University of Wisconsin are offended by a rock that is not racist because it's a rock. That is not racist. The Wisconsin Black Student Union last summer called for the rock to be removed from campus as one of a series of demands it said were aimed at seeking justice for black students. The campaign came in the wake of the police killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Senior Nala McCorder said in a university news release, quote, it was very meaningful for me to be there and to see the process all the way through to the end. McCorder, who was the president of the Wisconsin Black Student Union for the past academic year, was there when the boulder was removed on Friday. Quote, it was about a year ago that we released our demands and met with the chancellor and explained to her why those demands meant so much to us. It was a powerful moment today to see this demand come full circle. Amazing. Amazing. By the way, the rock also had to be removed because a Native American student organization named Wunk Shink, Sheik, partnered with the Wisconsin Black Student Union in the rock removal effort because the boulder sat on ancestral Ho-Chunk land. The university actually had to get permission from the Wisconsin Historical Society to remove the boulder because it sat within the area of a Native American burial mound, according to the university. So they moved the rock because nothing. Because literally nothing. Like, I'm, there's no evidence that the rock is racist. Nobody sees the rock as racist. It's a rock. It's a rock. Like, literally, the, the, the most they can say is that an article from about 100 years ago used the N-word while referring to the rock. The chancellor's office is using private donations to pay the $50,000 price tag for the rock's removal, the university said. It's now being moved to university-owned land near Lake Kagansa, southeast of Madison. First of all, I don't think that's appropriate. I think this rock has to go directly in the lake, right? I mean, it's a racist rock. Just removing it to another piece of land, doesn't that make that piece of land racist? I've been reliably informed that according to, as James Lindsay says, critical rock theory, this rock is a, is a foundation stone for systemic racism. So just moving it to another piece of land somewhere isn't going to do it. It must be buried deep under... Actually, we can't even bury it deep underground. We need to shoot it into the sun. That is the only way to cleanse this planet of racism. This rock, some, some idiot in 1925, used the N-word to refer to the rock. The only way to solve this problem is to build the world's largest trebuchet and fire the rock into orbit. Hopefully out of orbit. Hopefully it doesn't even stay like orbiting the planet. It needs to go. We need to chisel this thing down to sand. That's the other possibility. We all, every white person in America owes a duty to go with a chisel and a hammer and chisel this giant rock down to sand. Only then will racism be alleviated in the United States. If you're getting the feeling that um, people are lazy and stupid in the United States and that they spend a lot of time worrying about things that really ought not be worried about, that would be correct. That our, our media are too lazy and stupid to actually investigate the true stories of these things. And if they do, they are too pusillanimous to actually stand up and say, wait a second, you're, you're telling me that somebody's supposed to spend 50 grand to move a giant ass rock because somebody called it a racist term 100 years ago? Are you out of your mind? 
The answer, of course, is yes. Everybody is out of their mind. As we will examine when it comes to COVID in just one second. First, let us talk about your sleep quality. So, as you may have noticed, I am on the road. That means I am not sleeping as well as I normally sleep. I mean, let's be frank. You know, I have said publicly that I sleep on a bed made of money. That's not quite true. The bed made of money that I have in my house, it turns out it's not particularly comfortable. Instead, I prefer to sleep on my Helix Sleep mattress because that was made just for me. And it's more conducive to sleep. You know, money, it's kind of hard. But I will say that the Helix Sleep mattress is just perfect. It's like sleeping on a cloud. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. Everybody's unique. Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and for mattresses. Mattresses, great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size folks. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress you're matched to, the mattress comes right to your door ship for free. You don't ever need need to go to a mattress store again. Helix is awesome. You don't need to take my word for it. Helix is awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by both GQ and Wired Magazine. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They've got a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights, risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. So go check them out right now. Helix is offering up to 200 bucks off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That is a great offer at helixsleep.com slash Ben. Again, helixsleep.com slash Ben for a great deal on a great mattress and the two free pillows and the 200 bucks off. I mean, what more could you ask for? All righty. So meanwhile, speaking of people losing their absolute ever-loving mind, the White House has now decided that it is necessary to team up with TikTok stars. TikTok stars to encourage people to get vaccinated. Because if there's one group of people that I would say rural Trump voters love, it is TikTok stars. Love them. They are so into it. Now, the White House is spending real money on this. According to the New York Times just a couple of days ago, Ellie Zeiler, 17, a TikTok creator with over 10 million followers, received an email in June from Village Marketing, an influencer marketing agency. It said it was reaching out on behalf of another party, the White House. Would Ms. Zeiler, a high school senior who usually posts short fashion and lifestyle videos, be willing, the agency wondered, to participate in a White House-backed campaign encouraging her audience to get vaccinated against the coronavirus? Ms. Zeiler quickly agreed, joining a broad personality-driven campaign to confront an increasingly urgent challenge in the fight against the pandemic, vaccinating the youthful masses who have the lowest inoculation rates of any eligible age group in the United States. The White House has enlisted an eclectic army of more than 50 Twitch streamers, YouTubers, TikTokers, and the 18-year-old pop star Olivia Rodrigo, all of them with enormous online audiences. By the way, I would love to see a study to see how much it costs. Like, for for each vaccination, how much is this actually costing? That, that I think, would be uh, fascinating to see. Okay, here is, we, we now have the greatest example of vaccine messaging I have ever seen, courtesy of the White House. And it is just spectacular. I mean, it is unparalleled in its in its wonder. I don't know who this YouTube influencer is, this TikTok influencer. Frankly, I don't really want to know. I guess this is a person, I'm looking it up right now. It's a person named Benny Drama, which sounds just spectacular. According to the UK Daily Mail, Benito Skinner, a comedian whose TikTok handle is Benny Drama, he boasts over 845,000 followers, posted a video on Monday which featured a day in my life as a White House intern. The video was also posted to Instagram and Twitter as well. And um, here, is, um, here is a little bit of the video that your tax dollars get to pay for. Hi, my name is Cooper, and this is a day in my life as a White House intern. We did a joke. <laughs> hey, everyone. Vogue. This is actually the entrance to the West Wing. This is so fun, and it's really prestigious. Hey, POTUS. Is Olivia Rodrigo still here? No. 
We've come a long way in our fight against this virus. We've vaccinated 160 million Americans. Are you getting this all down? Don't worry, Queen. It's all right here. Uh. E. In and then and then what? What in the actual? F- <laughs> what was that? What now? So, yeah, I, when we're talking about the groups least likely to be vaccinated in America by poll statistics, it is people who identify as Republicans and black and Hispanic Americans. I'm just wondering, is this Benny drama character like super popular among either rural Trump voters and Tucker Carlson watchers or black Americans living in the inner city? Like, who's the who's the core audience for Benny drama and his, her, sure, I, I don't want to assume anybody's gender here. I, I have no idea. I guess, I guess he identifies as he, so I'm, I, I can't, that's exciting, actually. Frankly, I'm excited because I knew that was a man, so now that I get to say that that's a man, that's exciting. That, that's the society we now live in. So I can say he without being banned on, on Twitter or Facebook. That's exciting. So he, apparently, uh, wear, donning his skirt and also long white nails and making ridiculous jokes with Jen Psaki, that is going to, uh, that's going to convince millions of people to get vaccinated as well. Also, you will notice that neither this person nor Jen Psaki are wearing masks. Yes, well, in close proximity with one another. Apparently, the video was filmed on July 12th, the White House official, July 20th, rather, a White House official told Daily Mail before the mask requirements were reinstated. Just spectacular. That, that's, this is great. Again, I'm so glad. I'm sorry, our country's so stupid. Like, we are, we are, we're beyond the point of, of return, I think. I think we may be done. I think it's time, whoever, last person now, turn out the lights. Like, don't, don't run up the electricity bills because we're toast. Like, well, we got a real problem. What should convince you to get a vaccine is a pretty simple fact, which is that for virtually everybody in the United States, the chances of getting COVID and then dying from COVID are significantly higher than the chances of getting a serious adverse effect and dying from a vaccine. That's true for pretty much everyone as far as the data are concerned. That seems like that should be a better argument than here is a strange person from TikTok posing with Jen Psaki and making bizarre jokes about vaccines while wearing fake nails and wearing a skirt and doing things that no one understands. Yeah, but... There's a point at which words simply fail, and I think we, we may have reached that point. Alrighty, in just one second, we'll get to more places where words should fail, namely the bizarre COVID overreactions in which we are now engaging. First... Let's talk about making your hiring process better. So a lot of businesses are in a rush to hire employees right now because demand is going back up. People are getting back to work despite everybody freaking them out over COVID. And that means a lot of places need to hire. But if you're looking to hire, it can be hard to find the right person. Well, all these businesses reopening, it means millions of jobs will need to be filled. So where do those businesses turn to fill those roles fast? ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send your job to over 100 top job sites, giving you access to their network of millions of job seekers. ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans resumes to find qualified candidates for your open roles and then proactively presents them to you. You can easily review recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job, which encourages them to apply faster. According to ZipRecruiter internal data, jobs where employers invite candidates to apply get two and a half times more candidates. ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Again, 
That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. All right, so all over the world, people seem to be losing their ever-loving minds when it comes to the COVID policies that they seek to use. The reality is this. Delta is basically skunking every place where people are indoors and in anywhere close to close proximity. End of story, right? We're seeing spikes in Israel where a huge number of people are already vaccinated. You're seeing spikes in Australia where everybody is still locked down. And yet the COVID experts keep telling us that they have a solution. I just don't know what their solution is. Like, what is their solution? The the solution was supposed to be the vaccine. The solution remains the vaccine. Because all those people who are vaccinated, the vast, vast, vast majority of them will not die. By current data, 99.99% of people who get the vaccine will not die of COVID. That is the current data. The vaccines are incredibly effective. And yet we are being told that if we don't mask our children, that if we don't mask ourselves, that if we don't initiate social distancing measures again and shut down businesses again, then COVID is going to kill us all. And this is a transnational thing. I don't want to paint it like it's just an America thing because it obviously is not. In fact, video emerged just today from Paris where the police are literally checking the papers, the vaccination people's papers of people who are sitting outside and eating. Outside and eating. By the way, the paranoia is real. I mean, I'm in Los Angeles right now. Because of the mask mandates, a huge number of people are walking around with masks. But I'm seeing people who are walking around vaccinated outside wearing N95s. I am not kidding you. I've talked to some of them. And the reason that they're doing this is because they're convinced that the vaccines don't work in preventing serious disease. And they've been convinced of that by the irresponsible media who keep lying to them and trying to scare the living hell out of them. And it is not true. Available data from Israel suggests that even when there are vaccine breakthroughs, They generally result in extremely mild manifestations of symptoms. If you're unvaccinated, it might kill you. If if you are vaccinated, there's a far lower chance that it's going to kill you. By the way, even for the unvaccinated, the chances are are that it's not going to kill you. I mean, this was true even in the the middle of the pandemic, right? The death rate for people who are in the oldest age bracket was like 5%. That's not a chance you'd want to take, but it is certainly not the vast majority of people who get the disease die. In any case... These sorts of measures are insane. So in Paris, again, we now have video of people literally checking papers. The police are just walking up and down the street and they're literally just checking people's papers. I mean, I find that disquieting, don't you? That doesn't seem great. Especially because, again, in a free country, people should not be checking your papers to determine whether or not you've gotten a shot in your arm. This is madness at this point. Okay, and then you have the people in the United States who are pushing for mask mandates on children. The data that they are using to do this are extraordinarily skimpy. In fact, they're essentially non-existent. You're hearing the CDC say things like, well, maybe the Delta variant is more damaging to kids. They have no information they have presented publicly that demonstrates that there's more damage being done to kids by the Delta variant than by other variants of, the, of, the, of COVID. It has a wider spread than other variants of COVID, but there is no evidence that it is doing disproportionate damage as opposed to the other strains of COVID. Okay, and, and yet we are being told that this is going to damage kids. And the reason that we're being told it's going to damage kids is because they can't scare the adults enough. So the idea is, if we cannot scare the adults enough, then we're going to have to mask up the kids. And there's a sentiment that is set in in the big cities. I was talking to a friend who lives in New York today, a conservative friend who was in New York. And he was very, very upset with the unvaccinated in his city. He's saying, this is insane. They're forcing me to mask up. They're forcing me to to wear a mask when I go into public places. They're, they're creating vaccine passports and all of this. They're masking up my kids at school, all because of the people who won't vaccinate. And what I said to him is, no, 
it's them. The, the problem here is not the unvaccinated. Listen, I disagree with many of the people who are not vaccinating. I think that they are making a poor public health decision and a poor decision for themselves. But this is a free country and you get to make those sorts of individual decisions because, again, it is a free country. The real problem in the big cities is that we have become accustomed to political actors turning one segment of the population against another segment of the population for purposes of control. You would not care as a vaccinated person about the unvaccinated person who lives near you, except that the public health official is using the unvaccinated person's very presence as a rationale for shutting down your life. So you have two choices. You can get mad at the public health officials or you can get mad at the unvaccinated. You can be angry at both. I suppose that's a possibility. But if you are going to prioritize who to be angry at, the controlling people who suggest that you need to mask up to protect unvaccinated people who, by the way, are not asking for protection from you, is insane. Those are the people you should be upset with. Former CDC Director Robert Redfield admitted today that there's pretty much no data for school mask mandates at this point. And yet again, the entire media infrastructure says that if you say that you don't want mask mandates at schools, that if you ban mask mandates like Ron DeSantis does in Florida, this means that you are in favor of COVID. You want COVID to spread and you want people to die. This is so ridiculous. I'm sorry, it's ridiculous on its face. Here's the former CDC Director Robert Redfield admitting there's no data for school mask mandates. By the way, this follows hard on Dr. Michael Osterholm, former Biden advisor on COVID announcing that cloth masks don't do very much against the Delta variant. These policies should be grounded in data as opposed to uh, opinion. I think uh, your guest raises a very important part. There's been very few studies that uh, really are compelling in that setting of the classroom. Um, we did a number of studies when I was there just in fixed settings to recognize that if you uh, aerosolize virus through a mask and then the recipient had a mask and these were all dummies in rooms that were ventilated to a different degree, you could have an impact on the amount of virus that went from one to another. But that's not to say in a real life scenario that that's efficacious in the classroom. That is correct. What Redfield is saying is correct. The only studies that suggest the masks are effective really, for the general public, are studies that have not taken place in the general public. Right? They are studies that have to do with you fire virus at a mask, and the mask is on a dummy. Right? That is not quite the same thing as how you and your friends operate the masks. You just take them off, you put them back on, you breathe all over them, you take them off, you put them in your pocket, you put them back on. Right? Like that, that is not the same thing. Okay, but even put that aside, the evidence suggests that children in school are not at significant risk of dying from COVID or even getting seriously ill from COVID on an odds level. Now, again, when you're talking odds, Somebody wins the lottery every year, right? That does not mean that the odds are in your favor if you buy a lottery ticket. Well, somebody will probably die of COVID in the younger age group. That does not mean that the odds are in favor of many, many people dying of COVID as a share. This is why stats matter. But again, this is all a propagandistic effort to scare the living hell out of people and take control. This is why you've got the CNN medical analyst, Leanna Wen, who is having the time of her life, man. No one had heard of this lady before COVID, and now she's on CNN every day, saying it's very upsetting that GOP governors are not allowing families to protect their children. That is a lie. It is a lie. You are allowed to send your kid to school in Florida wearing a mask. You are. The schools are just not allowed to mandate that everybody else wear a mask. That's not the same thing. If you want to give kids the ability to choose whether or not to wear a KN95 at school, fine, I'm all for it. But I don't think that you should be able to force any of the other kids to mask up. Yeah, but here's Leanna Wen saying that, is, that, that it's upsetting. That she knows how to, like, the, the, again, the implication here is that our experts know how to shut down the virus. So then why aren't you doing it? I also noticed, by the way, that the number one case leader in states in the United States is not Florida. It is Louisiana. But you don't seem to give two dams about Louisiana. The re, there are two reasons why they don't want to mention Louisiana. One is because the governor of Louisiana is John Bell Edwards, who's a Democrat. And the other is because in Louisiana, the white population is 
a little bit more vaccinated than the black population. And Louisiana happens to be an extremely heavily minority state. So they don't want to mention that because, again, that's rather uncomfortable. You're, you're only supposed to talk about anti-vaccine if the anti-vaccine is among white people. You're not supposed to talk about anti-vaccine if you are talking about people who are of minority descent. The racial composition of Louisiana is about 33% black, by the way, 32, 33% black. Okay, in any case, here's CN, CNN medical analyst Leanna Wen trying to blame GOP governors for all of this. I find it, and I think a lot of us in public health are so frustrated that at this point we now have the tools, but there are governors, leaders in these parts of the country that are saying, we don't want to use the tools at our disposal. In fact, we're not even going to allow families to use these tools at their disposal to protect their children. And that's extremely upsetting, especially because we know how dangerous this Delta variant is. Okay, again, this, this sort of panic stuff is, is really ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. By the way, the, the stats in Louisiana, for those who are wondering, is that only about 37% of Louisiana's population has been fully vaccinated at this point, compared to well over 50% at this point of the, of the eligible, certainly of the eligible population, way over 50% in, in Florida, including 90% of seniors in Florida have already been vaccinated. None of this is about reason. And you can tell it's not about reason because you can see the policies that are now being presented. Okay, so Reason Magazine has a fascinating piece by Robbie Soav talking about Washington, D.C. He says this, quote, Last week, Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser reinstated a citywide mask mandate for all indoor spaces, even though the city's recent uptick in COVID-19 cases has not yet produced a rash of deaths or hospitalizations, and even though the vaccines are proving to be the most remarkably effective tool at preventing severe disease and death. Masks, unlike the vaccine, are a perpetual irritation, especially in certain circumstances like conversing, eating, and exercising. On that last front, a coalition of Washington, D.C. gym owners decided to approach the city with a bargain. They would require va- customers to be vaccinated if the city would grant them a waiver from the mask mandate. Right, so they said, listen, right now, we are open for business, but you have to wear a mask when you come in. We don't want people to have to mask when they come in because, as it turns out, working out with a mask is really uncomfortable. I know because I did it for months. It's really, really uncomfortable. And so they said, we, we don't want you to have to wear a mask when you come into the gym. And so instead, here is our deal. We will not tell everybody to mask, but we will mandate that everybody in here is vaccinated. Because one thing that we know is that if you've got a bunch of vaccinated people with other vaccinated people, there is not this tremendous risk that you're going to get a huge outbreak. And Washington, D.C. rejected it. They basically said we would rather that you have a bunch of unvaccinated and vaccinated people mixing with cloth masks in a gym than a vaccine passport. Okay, now, I don't like the vaccine passport, and I also don't like the mask mandates. I think they're both stupid. I think they're counterproductive at this point. But if you're looking at a rational policy, the gym's policy makes perfect sense. D.C. wouldn't accept that. D.C. wouldn't accept that. And the reason, of course, they couldn't accept that is because if they did, they would be acknowledging that vaccines are more effective than the masks, which, we, which would be to acknowledge that in the end, people are going to have to make decisions about vaccines, not about masks, and that no matter what you try to do with masks, it's never going to be enough. But this is the whole point. You know, it's amazing how many people are, are willing to sublet their judgment to some sort of expert, no matter who the expert is. Like they never seem to bother to ask whether the expert ought to provide data at some point. My favorite story of this, by the way, is that uh, there is a person named Eric Feigelding who has become one of these sort of COVID experts on Twitter, a supposed COVID-19 expert on Twitter. Uh, it turns out that um, at the beginning of 2020, according to Jordan Schachtel, writing for dossier.substack.com. At the beginning of 2020, Feigl Ding was an unpaid visiting scientist in Harvard's nutrition department. His academic research centered entirely around nutrition, diet, and exercise. Feigl Ding, an aspiring politician, appeared to see an opening to influence the masses and build up his brand when the COVID pandemic began to make waves. 
And so he started to talk a lot about COVID-19, his frequent use of Harvard-associated credentials to elevate his baseless COVID-19 proclamations greatly upset some of his own colleagues and landed him in hot water with Harvard. Twitter decided to credential him for no reason at all as a COVID-19 health expert. In mid-March, Mark Lipsitch, a professor of epidemiology at Harvard, described him as, quote, a charlatan exploiting a tenuous connection for self-promotion. The Association of Healthcare Journalists also took notice, reporting he has precisely zero experience in infectious diseases. He's departed from Harvard ever since. Okay, so um, this guy is still trotted out as though he is some sort of expert on COVID-19. So when people tell you to listen to the experts, your first question should be not who are the experts. It should be what is the evidence that they are providing at this point. But, you know, the, the ten- there's a tendency in the human brain to maximize risk perception because this is how humans have survived for so long as a species is that we have very, very active risk centers in our brain. And so anytime those are activated, we tend to immediately say, whoever can protect us, we will give power to. And that is what we are doing right now. Already coming up, we'll see. This is why the left is declaring a climate emergency. They're trying to trigger those panic centers in your brain so you give them utter control over everything except having to do with climate. We'll get to that in a moment. First, let us talk about a simple fact. If you run a business and you're not using text messages, you are missing out. Okay, let's be real. If you get a call from a telemarketer, how often are you picking up that call? The answer is pretty much never. But... If you get a text from somebody, you at least check the text and you read it. And if it's from a business you know, sometimes you reply. Well, Podium makes doing business as easy as sending a text because when the texts get opened, business gets done. All your employees can text from a single inbox, offering a smoother experience for your customers. Answering questions, send a text. Collecting reviews, send a text. Scheduling an appointment or delivery, send a text. Payment collection, you can just send a text. Car dealerships are selling more cars by offering text messaging. A dealer just sold a $50,000 truck in four text messages, for example. Retailers are increasing revenue by allowing customers to shop via text message. Even with stores open, many people still want to shop from home. A jeweler just sold a $5,000 ring with a few text messages and even coordinated curbside pickup with Podium. Today's customers expect on-demand everything, even from local businesses. Stay ahead of the competition with Podium. They've got free plans for growing businesses, plus all the power growing businesses need to scale. Get started free today at Podium.com slash Shapiro. That's Podium.com slash Shapiro. Alrighty, in just a moment, we'll get to the Democrats declaring a climate emergency. Always, always emergencies. Emergencies are always the solution. First, let me remind you that as the authoritarians take control, as they attempt to control everything from whether your kid must mask to whether you should be socially ostracized, we are living in the authoritarian moment and it needs to be stopped. The only way to stop it is to know how things got this bad, and how to reverse it. This is why I wrote the book, The Authoritarian Moment. It's a massive national bestseller. It is now available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other major bookseller. Go get your copy right now. Leave a five-star review if you like what you read. The Authoritarian Moment is happening right now. The only way to fight back, pick up a copy of the book, The Authoritarian Moment. Check it out right now at any place that sells books. Candace Owens also isn't afraid to say what she is thinking. That is for certain. If you're craving extra of her controversial hot takes, I've got good news for you. You now have a chance to meet her and hear her opinions live and in her studio audience. If you sign up now as a Daily Wire member with code VIP, you get 25% off your new membership and you can be automatically entered for a chance to win a trip for two to the Daily Wire studios in Nashville to see Candace live. Not only will you meet Candace herself, you'll be getting an inside look at her studio and front row seats to watch her destroy the left's insidious ideology on her talk show, Candace. So get a great new deal on a new Daily Wire membership at dailywire.com slash subscribe with code VIP and 25% off so you can be automatically entered to win a chance to win the VIP experience. Also, if you're a Daily Wire member and a Candace Owens fan, I've got even more great news for you. You can now purchase tickets to come to the Daily Wire studios in Nashville, Tennessee and see her show live. However, 
the catch, you have to be an all-access member. So I get these emails all the time. How can I get a ticket to Candace's show? You first have to be a member. If you are, your lovely face might even make it on screen. Hurry, though. Tickets have sold out for every show. Seating is limited. Go get your tickets right now. They are going fast. If you live in the Nashville area or if you want to take a trip here, which is totally worth it because downtown Nashville is super cool, now is the time. Head on over to dailywire.com slash tickets today. Pick up your tickets to Candace's show. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Well, meanwhile, the government of the United States, Democrats particularly, they need an excuse for why they're about to spend more money than has ever been printed in the history of humanity. We've already spent $7 trillion last year. We're probably going to spend $6, $7 trillion this year. Democrats, of course, are moving forward with some, I would say, rather soft-headed Republicans on this infrastructure deal, a $1 trillion infrastructure package, which contains some useful things and an awful lot of crap. According to the New York Times, the legislation is expected to pass after nearly 70 senators voted to advance it late on Sunday night. It is the product of weeks of intense negotiations, largely led by White House officials and a core group of 10 Republican and Democratic senators. But without unanimous agreement to expedite the process, the bill might not pass until Tuesday morning because Senate rules require 30 hours of debate. Meanwhile, the Democrats are trying to ram through this $3.5 trillion package. This is a $3.5 trillion budget that they are seeking to push forward. There's no measure to raise the debt limit. They began their push on Monday, according to the New York Times, for the most significant expansion of the nation's social safety net since the Great Society of the 1960s, unveiling a budget blueprint that would spend $3.5 trillion on health care, child and elder care, education and climate change. The budget resolution, which Senate Democrats hope to pass by the end of the week, would allow the caucus to piece together social policy legislation this fall, paid for by raising taxes on the wealthy, large inheritances and corporations. And if Democrats and their two independent allies can hold together, that measure could pass the Senate without a Republican vote nullifying the filibuster threat. That measure would pass after a separate $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill likely clears the Senate on Tuesday. Together, they would secure the remainder of President Biden's $4 trillion economic agenda. But the two-step effort will test Biden's ability to both work with Republicans and maneuver around them. Because here's the problem. At the same time, that Biden is pushing forward this $1 trillion infrastructure package. He's pushing forward the $3.5 trillion budget package. It looks an awful lot as though stuff that didn't make it into the bipartisan bill makes it into the completely partisan bill. And so the question becomes why Republicans should sign on to the bipartisan bill knowing that all the stuff they don't vote for is simply going to end up in that other bill. Okay, for their part, Democrats are over the moon about this thing. This bill spends an awful lot of money on a bunch of crap, a huge amount on global warming-oriented nonsense, you know, subsidies for building electric car charging stations and such, and, and or subsidies to green boondoggle businesses a la Barack Obama. Chuck Schumer says this is deeply necessary because climate change is actually worse than COVID-19. Now, anybody who says this should be laughed out of the room. Seriously, this line that climate change is worse than COVID-19 has killed probably in excess of 4 million people worldwide. I would say likely in excess of more than 5 million people worldwide because I think China lies about its numbers. But even if China's not lying, it's certainly in excess of 3 million, probably at this point closer to an excess of 4 million people worldwide. If the suggestion is that climate change is worse than that, I'm going to need some piece of evidence to show that that's the case, because that's just not true. But here is, again, the goal here for Democrats is claim a thing as an emergency, and then you never actually have to come to grips with why we should give you ultimate power. Just as right now, COVID is no longer an emergency. You know why? Because an emergency implies there's no solution. We know the solution to the COVID emergency. Get yourself vaccinated. If you don't, it's your problem. In the same way that people flying through their windshields during car accidents, that's not an emergency. You have a seatbelt. Either use it or don't use it. 
Okay, but Chuck Schumer has to declare that climate change is worse than COVID-19 so that the panic centers of our amygdala go off and suddenly we go, okay, fine, we'll give this doofus from New York all total control. Here is Chuck Schumer. We're going to confront the generational challenge of climate change head on. We're not flinching. We're not wincing. We're going right at it. And as bad as COVID was this year, and it was horrible, five or 10 years from now, every year, the climate, the cl- uh, climate change will make things worse and worse and worse, even worse than it was this year in COVID. Because when climate changes, it's such an overwhelming force that unless we do something now, we may not be able to stop it. Okay, that is not, okay, it, it is not an overwhelming force. It isn't. Climate change is a gradual warming of the climate over the course of the next hundred years. In fact, this has been happening for several decades. And you know what's been happening? People have been adapting to it because people are excellent at adaptation. We suck at mitigation and we are great at adaptation. Mitigation is stopping the thing that leads to climate change. Adaptation is dealing with the climate change as it falls out. By the way, we have been lowering our climate emissions in the United States with more efficient forms of energy, like nuclear and natural gas, both of which are opposed by the Democratic Party. This bill, by the way, not only spends money on sort of random stuff. It also includes more affordable housing, investments in technology, and climate change research, as well as potentially lowering the Medicare eligibility age. Lowering the Medicare, that's what we need. We need more systemic debt. That's going to make things all better. But again, climate change, this is where they're putting all their focus, is in the climate change stuff. Right? Schumer doubled down on this. He says the budget bill is going to be chiefly about combating climate change. That's the big push because that's the big emergency. The budget reconciliation bill will do more to combat climate change than any legislation ever, ever in the history of the Senate. That is a promise. And while my Republican colleagues regurgitate the same tired talking points about a Democratic spending spree, let me remind America that we plan to pay for this package by making the wealthy pay their fair share. Okay, you're not paying for any of this? Every Democratic proposal here does not pay for itself. Okay, Barack, I keep saying Barack Obama because Joe Biden is essentially Obama's third turn. Joe, Joe Biden's plan to pay for this with taxes does not wash. He has charted his tax increases over the course of 15 years. He has charted his spending increases over the course of 8 to 10 years. That does not work. Okay, it, the taxes have to occur in the same period as the spending. He's not doing that. And, char- and, and by the way, taxing the rich ain't going to pay for it either. You're going to have to find other ways of raising that money. He knows that. All the Democrats know that. But they don't care. If they can just scare the hell out of you with climate change, then they will. And here's the thing. There is the, the most alarmist climate predictions are just flat wrong. The most alarmist climate predictions are not rooted in reality. The reality, according to the International Panel on Climate Change, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, which is sort of the supposed gold standard for this stuff, the IPCC is now sounding more and more rational on the issue, saying that long-term climate change is a problem, but it is not an existential threat to humanity, nor is it likely to kill millions of human beings the way the Democrats say it will. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, let's be real. French fries, they're the only good vegetable, but unfortunately, they're not healthy. They're bad for you. Well, balance of nature, fruits and veggies are the most convenient way to get whole food ingredients every day, like the actual vegetables that they count toward you know, what you should be eating. Balance of Nature uses an advanced cold vacuum process that encapsulates fruits and veggies into whole food supplements without sacrificing those natural antioxidants. The capsules are completely void of additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules are, you know, like the fruits and the veggies. Right now, my listeners can get 35% off their first order and they'll also get a free fiber and spice supplement. Balance of Nature's fiber and spice supplement is a revolutionary fiber drink with a unique blend of 12 spices 
and Whole Foods. I'm flying pretty much constantly for the last few months. Gotta tell you, I really rely on Balance of Nature. There's never been an easier way to make sure you're getting your daily dose of fruits and veggies. Experience Balance of Nature for yourself today. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. Plus, get a free bottle of fiber and spice. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code Shapiro for 35% off that first preferred order. Plus, that free bottle of fiber and spice. In fact, let's go through that for just a second. So, Over the course of this week, the IPCC rolled out its brand new climate change report. It's this brand new magical climate change report. Okay, they they rolled one out a couple of years ago. And it's important to go through the details because the headlines on this thing suck. Okay, the headlines on on the climate change panel decision, the the IPCC new paper, are just, they're, they're so over the top and insane that if you don't know anything and if you don't read the background paper, you end up freaking out. It's things like, Extreme weather events likely to kill millions. It's, it's all this talk about how the climate is going to, the, the world will boil. We're all going to die. Millions will perish in the flames. Okay, but that's not correct. Okay, so let's begin with a couple of simple facts. Okay, when it comes to natural disasters killing human beings, the simple fact is that the global annual death rate from natural disasters has been dropping precipitously from the 1960s on. Okay, this is a chart from Our World in Data, and it shows the annual death rates from natural disasters per 100,000. As of the 1920s, there were 22 deaths per 100,000 from drought, and there are probably another four or five deaths per 100,000 from earthquake. You had a bunch of people dying from storms. You had a few people dying from extreme temperatures. And then you can see a precipitous drop from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, all the way down to from around 28 people dying per 100,000 from natural disasters in the 1920s, all the way down to in the 1990s, less than two people per 100,000 on the planet dying from natural disasters. As of the 2010s, we're still below two. We're still in the one area, one out of 100,000 people. Okay, so we've reduced deaths from natural disasters by a factor of somewhere between 25 and 30 over the course of the last century. Okay, there are declining deaths from floods in Europe, for example. Same sort of thing. Right, the number of people who are dying in floods are it's just way, way lower than it ever has been. Okay, and yet the idea here is that we are going to boil the earth, millions will die in floods, not thousands, millions will die. It's gonna be worse than COVID. I mean, you, Chuck Schumer says it's going to be worse than COVID. Okay, but that's just not true. In fact, even the IPCC has started to hedge its bets. So there are a few things you should know about these IPCC reports. One is that the IPCC reports include ranges of possibilities. One of the ranges of possibilities used in the current IPCC report is the least likely scenario ever. Okay, that is what they call the RCP 8.5 or the SSP5 to 8.5. Okay, that would be the scenario in which we basically double our emissions over the course of the next couple of decades. Who thinks that global emissions are going to double over the course of the next couple of decades? Does anyone think that? That we're going to double our coal coal emissions here in the United States uh, and globally? Does anybody actually think that? The answer, of course, is no. That's not going to happen. Okay, the, the, the IPCC presents that possibility as feasible for purposes of scaring the living hell out of you. We are not going to double our carbon emissions. That's very, very silly. In fact, even the IPCC recognizes that 8.5 scenarios have a quote-unquote low likelihood, but then they remain neutral with, with respect to which scenario they are assuming is going to take place. Okay, in fact... There's a guy named Roger Pilkey. He does good work on this. He's a professor in Colorado. And, uh, and he points out that 
the IPCC report focuses disproportionately on the 8.5 scenario in order to scare the living hell out of you. In fact, of all the mentions in the report from the IPCC, 42% of all mentions mention the least likely scenario, the RCP 8.5. So they, they lay out essentially like five or six scenarios. The most likely scenario by their sort of math is the scenario in which the climate changes between 2 and 4.5 degrees over the course of the next century. There are very few scenarios in which the climate changes on an average of 8.5 degrees Celsius over the, cor- over the next century. That's just not going to happen. Okay, which is really, an abs- like, so it's, it's absurd that they even put that in the report. And then it's even more absurd that they spend so much time focusing in on the report. Okay, but even the IPCC recognizes the, the variability in their predictions. So when they make findings in the IPCC report, and I know nobody reads below the top line, you just read the story at the Daily Mail that freaks you out about global warming. But when you read below the top line, what you'll see is that the IPCC makes a series of predictions. Those predictions are gray-dated, right? Some will be characterized as very likely or likely or more likely than not. Most of these ones, most of the ones you will see are likely, right? Which can range all the way from 66 to 100%. That's a pretty broad range of possibility. In other words, we we think we're right here. And there's like a two in three chance we're right. Anywhere from two in three to like 100%. Well, that, that's a pretty big possibility of missing, is it not? Okay, that's, that's the, the term you see a lot in these sorts of reports is likely or medium confidence. The more extreme the prediction, the less confidence they have. And in fact, the IPCC report points out, for example, that the frequency and intensity of heavy precipitation, for example, have increased at a global scale. That's that's likely. Likely, precipitation has increased at a global scale thanks to climate change. Meaning, like, two and three chance that that's happening. Then they also acknowledge, by the way, that heavy precipitation, meaning a lot of rain, does not mean more flooding, per se. Okay, also, they do note, for example, that when it comes to tropical cyclones, that they have no predictions. They say that we actually don't have any trends in tropical cyclones. Like, we, we, we have no clue whether tropical cyclones are getting more common or not. I mean, like, there's a lot of uncertainty, in other words, about the amount of damage to be done here. And most of this stuff is baked into the cake. So when it comes to what we can do, the answer typically is we mitigate. Right? Huge swaths of very populous countries, including countries that exist in, for example, the Scandinavian countries, exist under the water level, under the water table. Okay, that means that they're living, you know, with they have locks and canals, right? This is true in the Netherlands, for example, and they're fine, right? Human beings are extremely good at, at adapting. But the goal here for the Democratic Party is to scare the hell out of you. So they hope you don't look at the report. They hope that you don't see that there's a wide variety of variables. They hope that you go to the most extreme possible scenario in your head. And so when you hear that the world is getting warmer, you think, oh man, wildfires, drought, everybody dying of starvation. Okay, by the way, many, many more people, like a multiple of people on on planet Earth, die of cold than die of heat. So actually, a number of lives will actually be saved by this if you're more worried about people dying of cold than of heat, which is what you should be, statistically speaking. But again, it's all about the crisis mentality. If you push the crisis mentality, then you can get people to do what you want them to do. And it was a foregone conclusion, of course, they were going to move with climate change as their next big crisis. Alrighty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of the Ben Shapiro Show. Coming up soon is the Matt Wall Show. It airs at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Host producer, Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. John Bickley here, Daily Wire editor-in-chief. Wake up every morning with our new show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, pressure ramps up on Governor Cuomo to resign, the ACLU is suing the Biden administration, and fake vaccination cards are on the rise. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's say you were a stormtrooper and you were enjoying a nice meal of roasted Ewok in the Death Star mess hall. Well, all of a sudden you hear the voice of Alec Guinness saying, use the force, Luke. The next thing you know, the entire place is going up in flames around you. And it's at this moment you really wished you had life insurance. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping right now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy and protect your family. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. Well, they're on hand to help talk you through it. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. It's super satisfying to check life insurance off that to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, God forbid, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you leave your job. Head on over to policygenius.com right now. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro.